Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. I'm glad you're, you've joined me today. We have a lot to talk about. If you've ever heard the phrase, the greatest story ever told, this is it. Every parent should tell it to their children. Every Christian should tell it to the lost. It is truly the answer for all the woes of man. This is my 18th study in the series I've titled, Road to Golgotha. A lot has happened in a week. From the moment Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem to where we are now, the worst is yet to come. I feel like I've been trying to squeeze a lot of content into a half-hour study, so I'm going to slow down going forward. This is too important to rush through, so bear with me. If you can, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this day in which you have made. Thank you for every blessing that will befall our pathway. Thank you that you're always diligent to watch over us, to keep us. Um, thank you that the blood of your son Jesus always cleanses us from sin. Thank you that we get to walk in the light with him and have fellowship with him. Thank you for salvation through his name. Father, I thank you for those who listen to this podcast. I pray your blessings be upon them, and I pray that they may find it an encouragement to them. In Jesus' holy name, amen. The past few weeks, I've been picking out songs that relate to the cross. I believe songs have a way of um, encouraging us and uh, pointing us to the Lord. You know, it has a way of tuning our hearts toward him. So the song I picked today is called The Wondrous Cross. And it says this, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I love this song. It has such, such deep meaning. That verse that says, my richest gain, I count but loss. I mean, there are things when compared to Christ are just not worth hanging on to. And then I love the part where it says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You know, that explains why people are so willing to lay down their life for Jesus. Why people are willing 
to go to prison for Jesus because it demands, you know, more than just a perfunctory lifestyle. It demands that we give him all of us, all of us, you know. And uh, uh, that's one of the reasons I love this song. It just has such deep, deep truths in it. For the truth of this song to hit you, though, you'll have to concentrate on the words. Sing it in worship, and it'll stir your heart. Let's turn to Scripture. Matthew chapter 27, verse 24 through 31 in the English Standard Version reads, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the, G of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. And they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Wow. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? When you read it, I mean, we get numb to it. We really do. We read it and we think, oh, well, I've read this before. You know, and you know, but it's like when you view it for the first time, you know, you read it for the first time, you digest it for the first time, and it's, it's fresh. It has impact. It has meaning. It, you feel uh, the emotions going on. You feel the passion that's taken place. You feel the anger uh, from the enemies and uh, you feel the love and the grace of the Savior. You know, there's just, there's just a lot going on here. It's just too much to just glance over, to just read, um, you know, to just go through as you're just reading. Well, I'm just reading the Bible and, you know, and, but there's a lot to be gained from this especially when you start um, looking at the feelings that are involved, um, thinking about the pain that he must have felt, thinking about what they're actually doing to him, to Jesus, the Son of God. You know, it, it really helps to change your perspective. It helps you to see it in a, in a more brilliant light rather than just boredom and ho-hum says, when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, in other words, getting nowhere, Pilate could not believe the lengths that this bloodthirsty mob would go to just to get rid of Jesus. The people were ready, about ready to riot. This is hate without restraint. If you've lived in the 21st century for very long, you've seen plenty of it. 
Pilate took water and he washed his hands. This was a custom to show innocence in any particular matter. Deuteronomy 21, uh, 1 through 9, Psalm 26, 6. Pilate had the armed men to prevent his death, but he did not use them. In other words, he could have prevented the death of Jesus. He could have prevented all of this, but he did not use them. So he was inexcusable. Pilate took three steps in an attempt to exonerate himself. First, he washed his hands and declared that he was guilty, or guilty, yeah, he is, that he was innocent of any guilt. Second, he stated clearly that Jesus was a just person, that is, not worthy of death. Third, he offered to punish Jesus and then release him. But the rulers would accept no compromise. As Pilate, Pilate attempts to remove himself from the process by symbolically washing his hands, he is indicating publicly that he does not find Jesus worthy of death. Now, can you picture this? <clears throat> Here's this ruler, Pilate. He's the governor, you know, the magistrate. And uh, he's before this huge crowd, and Jesus is standing there. The soldiers are standing there. So just picture this in your mind. They're standing around Jesus as if he's some hardened criminal. And the crowd is below them, and they're probably, you know, up on a stand of some type, you know what I mean, like some stage. And Pilate has a basin of water brought in. You know, you could see him if you just look at it, motioning over to a young man, bring over the basin of water, and he brings it over. Pilate gets up, gets up in some display, you know, some public display. He walks over to the, to the basin of water, and he speaks to the crowd, you know, I am innocent of this man's blood. And so he washes his hands. It shows he's innocent, or rather he's expressing to the crowd that he's innocent by washing his hands, but he's not. He's not. He, um, he's trying to excuse himself. He has done that all through this. He's tried to get out of this ever since the start of this trial with Jesus. Ever since he came face to face with Jesus, he has tried every which way he could to get out of it. Get out of his encounter with Jesus, but he could not. So this final move is to wash his hands. The crowd shouts out to him after Pilate has said that, his blood be on us. In other words, we assume the guilt, okay? So his blood be on us and on our children. These words remind me, be careful of what you wish for or be careful of what you say. The Jews quickly assumed full responsibility for his death. We accept the punishment for such a crime. Let it be upon us and upon our children. Listen to this carefully. They were visited with the same kind of punishment and worse. For the Romans crucified them in such numbers that there were no more crosses or place 
for them. As many as 500 a day were scourged and crucified. Their children for ages have gone through untold sufferings in all lands. They are yet to suffer the greatest time of tribulation that has ever been on the earth or ever will be. Matthew 24, 15 through 22, Revelation 6, 1 and on, Revelation 19, 21, uh, Daniel 11, 40 through 45, and 12 and 1, Jeremiah 33 through 9, Ezekiel 20, 33 through 38, Zechariah 13 and 9, and 14, 1 through 5. All these scriptures talk about the suffering of the Jews. They were killed in untold millions by Hitler and the Nazis and during the Holocaust. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children was the worst thing they could have said. They rejected their Savior, their Redeemer, their Messiah, and he came to them in love and grace and they rejected him and then called a curse upon themselves. It says here, then he released for them Barabbas. You ever wonder what must have been going through the mind of Barabbas? One moment he is in prison. He's looking through the bars and he's probably seeing some crosses on a hill and thinking, that's my destination. That's where I'm going. You know, he's guilty of murder, heading for execution. And then the next moment, he's being released. I mean, you know, you can't help but think, what must have been going through his mind? He must have been thinking, whoa, what's happened here? I think if I was him, I'd keep my mouth shut and just walk away and go and leave. I mean, you know, because what you say could get you back in there, right? If you've ever wondered, if you've ever wondered, where do I fit into the crucifixion narrative? Where do I fit in all this that's taking place in Scripture? Right here, right here. Barabbas represents you and I. We are completely guilty of sin. We are guilty, deserving of death and punishment. One moment, heading to a devil's hell. The next moment, we are completely released from the prison of our sin and from the destiny it provided because of Jesus. Not because of anything we've done. Not because you and I finally got it right. We finally got our act together. We finally stopped swearing. We finally stopped uh, doing drugs. We finally stopped looking at our neighbor's wife or porn or whatever it may be or drinking or, you know, the list goes on and on. I won't land on just any particular one because there's a whole lot of things in sin. Pride, you know, selfish ambition and so much more. All of this. Jesus, Jesus is completely taken in our place and put in as a substitute for us. And we are completely let go. Of course, that, you know, does come when you receive Jesus. That's what happens when you receive Jesus. 
you're completely set free. Set free. Jesus is about to receive the punishment that was intended for Barabbas, except with a lot more venom, a lot more hate. He's about to be punished for you and I. Having scourged Jesus, it, it reads so quickly. It does. It reads fast. It's just a few words. Uh, having scourged Jesus. Just just a, a line on a page. Listen to this. A scourge was a Roman implement for severe physical punishment. It consisted of a handle with about a dozen leather cords with jagged pieces of bone or metal at each end to make the blow more painful and effective. The victim was tied to a post and blows were applied to the bare back and loins, sometimes to the face and bowels. The flesh was cut in several places by each blow. Well, you can imagine as each time the whip came at you and it has pieces of bone and glass and metal, that's going to do some serious damage. So hideous was the punishment that the victim often fainted and some died under it. It was designed to get confessions and secrets from victims. But what could they get from an innocent, sinless man? Acts 22, 24-25 Flogging was permitted by the law up to 40 stripes, Deuteronomy 25-3. Jews reduced this to 39 stripes, 2 Corinthians 11:23-25 If the scourge used on Jesus had 12 thongs and he was hit even 39 times this would have this would make 468 stripes If some struck in the same place and cut deeper each time one can see how his body because of the intense hatred back of each blow was marred more than any other man. Let me read this to you. Many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of man. Wow. And then Isaiah in that same, Isaiah in that same verse says this in the uh, HCSB, just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man, and his form did not resemble a human being. Wow. You know, I'm talking about this and tears filling my, filling my eyes. I mean, what we're talking about, you know, is, is something that's beyond words. I, 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 can't, I can't picture it. You know, and I've seen some pretty uh, disgusting scenes on TV, but they don't compare to what's, what's taking place here. I mean, he's being ripped to shreds for you and I. For you and I. What's this, what does the scripture say? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. 
Isaiah chapter 53. What we're talking about here is why the movie The Passion of the Christ was rated R. And when I say it gets ugly from here on, it's no joke. I can understand why parents don't tell their kids what happens here, because it would give them nightmares. They could not picture Jesus being beaten so badly that his face is puffing up and his, his, his mouth is puffing up and his, his head is swollen and his body is just, there's, it's so badly marred. It's, it's, again, beyond descriptions. Hard to, hard to even say. There were three involved in the torture and suffering of Christ. God, man, and Satan. Three. It seems like the great struggle of, of eternity, of life, of uh, humanity, it has all involved God, man, and Satan. Isaiah 53.10 says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. Wow. It's hard to understand. Why did it please God to bruise Jesus? Why did it please him to see Jesus beaten to, a, a, forgive the vernacular, to a bloody pulp? To where he was just, he was, didn't even resemble a man. There was only one reason it pleased God. Because it was the payment for the penalty of sin. This was the payment. This is what's taking place here. What's happening to Jesus from these beatings all the way to the crucifixion is he's paying the penalty of sin. Paying it. You know, they say that you don't have any real involvement in something until it costs you something. So to speak, having skin in the game, you know, until your life is on the line, that it really, really matters. Here, God is putting it all on the line. All of it. All of it through Jesus. The word bruise, Hebrew, daka, to crumble, beat to pieces, break, bruise, crush, destroy, smite. Isaiah 53, 5 um, and then also uh, in 10 and uh, chapter 3 and 15 and Job 19, 2, Psalm 72, 4, Psalm 94, 5. This refers to the stripes by scourging, cuts by thorns and other physical sufferings and proves this was part of the work of the atonement by which blood was shed. It was by this particular phrase or phase of punishment that physical healing was provided for all alike. Isaiah 53.5, 1 Peter 2.24, such a sacrifice on the part of God showed his divine perfection, justice, mercy, and boundless benevolence. The law was upheld this way. Sin was judged, and a basis of pardon and eternal reconciliation 
was made possible. This scourging was called a halfway death because it was supposed to stop just this side of death and not administered in addition to another punishment. The two thieves were not scourged. A Jewish law, the Mitharika, forbade prolonging death for condemned criminals and exempted those who were to die from the shame of also being scourged. Isaiah 50, verse 6, and then NIV version says this, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Prophecy, hundreds of years before Jesus, and it's all coming to pass. For scourging, the man was stripped of his clothing, and his hands were tied to an upright post. The back, buttocks, and legs were flogged either by two soldiers, lictors they're called, or by one who alternated positions. The severity of the scourging depended on the deposition of the lictors and was intended to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse or death. As the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victim's back with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions, and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and subcutaneous tissues. Then, as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into other lining skeleton muscles or skeletal muscles and produce quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. Pain and blood loss generally set the stage for circulatory shock. The extent of blood loss may well have determined how long the victim would survive on the cross. After the scourging, the soldiers often taunted their victims. The law of the Jews allowed them to beat men no more than 39 times, as I said before. The Roman law had no limit. When their prisoners fell down, the Romans picked them up, then they began to beat them again. Sometimes they killed their prisoners like this. The prisoners' backs became like a field that a farmer has plowed. Go out sometime in the spring and check out when farmers are plowing their fields. Take a look at their, their furrows and how deep they are into the ground. And it should remind you of what Jesus did for you and I. Pieces of the skin hung from their backs. The Romans had decided that Jesus must die. Now they beat him by Roman law. Psalm 190, or 129 verse 3. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Wow. It's hard for us to imagine such brutality. These men who beat Jesus were professional executioners. They would run upon their victim and lash them with the whip. I wonder if this was just another day on the job for these men. I wonder if they felt anything when they beat their subject. You know, when they went home at night, they put their head on the pillow. I wonder if they thought about the victims that they had so badly beaten that day. What kind of men could beat another man, another person, so viciously as to leave Jesus unrecognizable? It is said that there was not one place on Jesus' body 
where you could place your hand that was not lacerated by the whips of these executioners. You could not place your hand upon his body and not touch one stripe and the other with your hand. Jesus' face must have been swollen, his eyes blackened, his nose bloodied by the abuse, Roman soldiers who were anxious to punish an insurrectionist, his beard plucked out by the roots. This, along with the whips, would have caused great swelling and contusions to his face. You might think, I'm talking a lot of hyperbole here, that I'm really making it worse than it was. But if anything, I'm understating what actually took place. There's something else that happens. <sighs> Pardon me for a second. There's something else that happens. They take a crown that's made out of thorns. And they place it on his head. In mockery, they covered him in a purple robe, you know, like kings would wear. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. And after all, they heard he was a king. So why not, you know, put the crown on his head? I've seen these thorns when I was in Jerusalem. Uh, they're about three inches long. They were used for sewing. They're really thick. And they're long and they're sharp. You know, and they used them for sewing because they were thick and would not break. It says, after placing the crown of thorns on his head, they kneel before him in mockery. You know, here's the king, let's kneel before him. And they place a reed in his hand for his scepter. Complete mockery, abuse, shame. After this, another vicious act takes place. They take the reed from his hand. Then they strike him on the head with it. This would drive the thorns that are already piercing his skull deeper into the skin tissue. More swelling would cover his entire scalp. Along with all this suffering and abuse, for you and I, they spat on him. They, they just spat all over him. Considering that this is a group of soldiers, he is no doubt covered from head to foot in spit and blood. It's mixed. It's running down his face, running down his body. And he, there is nothing he is doing to stop it and nothing that can be done to stop it. It's all for you and I. It's all because I've hated my brother. It's all done because I've lusted in my heart after a woman. It's all done because I took his name in vain. It's done for you and I. So amazing. So amazing. What an amazing Savior and Redeemer that loves 
you, that loves you. After reading these scriptures, how can we doubt his love? How can we still say to him, you know, how can we stay, still say to him, no, I won't follow you? How? After hearing everything that has happened that I've just read today, it don't say how long all of these, these events took place. There's no time limit given in Scripture how long. But what suffering he did for you and I. I hope you've thanked him lately. I hope you've told him lately how much you appreciate what he did for you at Calvary. What he did for you on the road to Golgotha. He didn't have to, but he did. I want to close with those statements. Next week, it gets worse on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.